You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, boy, oh boy, do we have uh, quite a bit to talk about today. I had a plan, but I don't think we're going to get to it because we got too much going on. Um, Things are progressing in a good direction in terms of the injuries and whatnot. But again, we'll get to that. We're going to take things one thing at a time. Nice and easy. Everybody just relax. Everybody calm down because you're freaking out a little bit. You think I'm freaking out? I'm not freaking out. I don't care. Christian Watson catching passes from Aaron Rodgers. I don't care. David Bakhtiari's off the pup list. I mean, who cares? I'm not freaking out. I'm totally calm here. You're freaking out. You're a freak. Freak? <sighs> All right, I'm free. It, it, listen, I've been hitting the coffee a little bit hard, okay? And I was away from everything, doing a little bit of family time, and I come back to a barrage of guess what, guess what, guess what, guess what. So I'm kind of tweaking out a little bit, but I'll be fine. We're going to get through this together. Before we get there, let's do a little bit of around the NFL. First of all, uh, rookie wide receiver for the New England Patriots, Tyquan Thornton, another rookie that was having some some highlights, some good stuff going on. He's a guy that I think a lot of Packer fans were kind of circling because he's a speed freak, like 4-2-1 speed freak. Anyways, injured his collarbone Friday night. Don't know... Um, don't know exactly the details, but it does sound like it's a broken collarbone. Probably going to miss some time. I don't know how much time, but we play the Patriots on October 2nd, so there's that. Well, it says about eight weeks, so yeah, that, that, would, be, that would be after we play them. Um, the LA Rams, who never have any draft picks, I think, it was, <laughs> I think it was their first pick. I'm not positive. Logan Bruss, offensive guard. I think he might have been a Badger. I don't remember. He suffered a torn ACL and MCL and will miss the entire season. Says their top selection at pick 104 this spring was Logan Bruss. Um, some very, very sad news. Um, the guy that I've been pumping up for, I don't know, two years now, Matt Corral. We don't need to talk about his his grades on PFF or anything because it's irrelevant. It doesn't mean anything. Obviously, PFF is stupid. They don't know what they're talking about. He's, he's not the lowest graded quarterback or anything. Anyways, um, he's likely out for the season. Now, he wasn't going to be the starting quarterback anyways, but that's still still depressing. I mean, he's still going to win the job next year and be, uh, you know, Pat Mahomes, but better. But, you know, whatever. Um, offensive guard Aaron Stinney for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was carted from the field during the team's preseason game against the Tennessee Titans. The Buccaneers have lost, I believe, three offensive linemen now. I don't think Stinney had the job exactly locked up, but um, he was in contention. And it looks like it's a torn ACL and MCL, same thing as the last guy, and will miss the entirety of the season. So Tom Brady, who I don't think has ever played behind a subpar offensive line, is um, looking a little iffy right now. 
I mean, legitimately, they um, they're just short on on bodies. Outside of their first string and second string, there's two people listed as third string offensive linemen, and that's it. And it wasn't just injuries; they they also had somebody retire. Um, Tristan Wirfs is also injured. He's kind of maybe going to be ready for Week One, but he's another injured guy. So. A lot of injuries out there. The Packers have so far been relatively lucky. I know there's been a couple injuries, um, but so far, fingers crossed, knock on wood, not the worst. Also, before we get into all the training camp goodness and, and, and badness and everything else, really funny story that, that cropped up that was kind of behind the scenes. Apparently, I mean, not very many people knew about it, but um, apparently, with all the, you know, where's... Tom Brady going to go and all this stuff. There was a lot of speculation for a long time, and he ended up going to Tampa, as we know, and then they went on to win a Super Bowl, and Gronk followed him over there and all that. Dana White, who is the president, owner, whatever, of UFC, he's out in Vegas. He's obviously a massive power player. He was trying to broker a deal to get Brady to come to Vegas, and, and, and Gronk would follow. Anyways, here's the story. If you haven't heard it, I just want to play it because it's, it's, just, it's just funny to me. It's so- you would have been. You would have been. So I would have been. I, I'm the one. I, I I worked to put that deal together for Brady and Gronk to come to the Raiders, and it was almost a done deal. And at the last minute, Gruden blew the deal up and said that he didn't want him. And whoa, all whoa. hell broke loose, man. It, it was crazy and. And, and Brady was already looking at houses, and it wasn't being said yet that Gronk was coming. So Las Vegas would have had Brady and Gronk the year that the Bucks won the Super Bowl, except Gruden blew the deal up. And there's so much story that goes along with this behind the scenes. And I, I, I was never going to tell that story till Gronk just said it. But, uh, and, yeah. And Dana? Oh, let me tell you what, exactly Brady was what not happened, happy. And you just told the story. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what happened. Wow. Breaking news. Wow. Who's going to be with the Bronx? John Gruden screwed up. <laughs> going to the Raiders. But it worked out for the best. And I'm glad it did not go through. Really? Yes, I am glad it did not so go through. So you said if you were the Raiders, I wouldn't have won a Super Bowl. Yes, no. I mean, I, it, it all worked out for the best, man. I'm okay. glad we went to Tampa, man. It just worked out. I love that place. Anyways. Um, you know... I guess I don't want to rag too much on Gruden because, in, you know, hindsight, it's easy to look back and go, wouldn't he? He could have had what Tampa. But I, I don't know that that's necessarily true. And to be honest, I don't know if I wouldn't have made the same decision. I'm not the biggest car fan, but cars, you know, he's, he's whatever. And also, I don't know that I want to be all in right now. We don't have the greatest roster in the world. You know, we bring Brady over. Brady is basically going to demand to run the team. And you know how Gruden is. Gruden is a, or was a, power-hungry guy. He's not going to be told what to do by anybody. So that, I don't think that relationship would have worked. But also, Brady was not looking like Brady. He, he kind of ended that tail end of his career with New England kind of looking shaky. And I thought he was... I thought he was. So, again, I, I don't know that I didn't make... I, I wouldn't have made the same decision, even though hindsight, he looks like an idiot. But he, even still, I don't know that they go on to win a Super Bowl. I don't think the dynamic between Gruden and Brady would have been good at all. I think the current head coach is a very laid-back dude. I mean, he, you know, he's... He's a good coach. He's a hard-headed guy, but he's very laid back. You know, he's the guy that says he will fire you on the spot if he finds out your kid had some kind of a, a game or a recital or something and you didn't take time off to go to it. You will be fired on the spot. 
He cares about family. He he's basically retired, just like Tom. I mean, it's we're, we, our careers are done. Let's have some fun, man. Let's just kick the tires and have a good. And so they went out. They spent all the money. They gave away all the picks. They did they did whatever they could to just get whoever Brady thought would help to come in and fix this thing. And they they paid for a roster. They paid for everybody. They went out and got Sue. They went out and got Antonio Brown. They they got every. They're out there just having a good time. I don't think the Raiders are going to do that. I don't think Gruden's going to do that. And if Gruden's going to do it, he's going to do it on his. And he's certainly not going to go get Antonio Brown. They tried that already, remember? Didn't work. No chance they're letting him come back. So, you know, it's just like Gronk said. It 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 worked out the way it needed to work out. I mean, I I the only thing that upsets me about it is had this deal gone through, Brady and Gronk would have gone to the Raiders and it would not have been anywhere near as, as successful, I was trying to say. And that would be great, you know. He gets in there, it's a big drama, it's a whole thing, I don't know. But um, anyways... Starting off with news for the Green Bay Packers, by Tuesday afternoon, the Green Bay Packers have to be down to 80, so we got to do another cut down. They got started on that. A couple guys that are not super surprising, Ty Clary and Chauncey Manick, pass rusher and offensive lineman. Again, kind of an indication by looking at the snap counts, um, the only person that was an offensive lineman that played less snaps was Michael Manette. They actually played the same amount of snaps, it's not less. So he would be another guy to keep an eye on going bye-bye. But they went first with Ty Clary. If you'd have told me one of the offensive linemen was going to go, it would either be Ty Clary or Michael Manette. I honestly think it's because Manette is a center. And so because he's sort of an interior guy, they're, they've been using him more. He's been kind of... We've heard his name a couple times as far as like a second team, whatever. Um, Ty Clary playing primarily right tackle... There's really not a lot for him to do, especially with Zach Tom staying at tackle. I mean, we, we've we got our stu- two starting tackles in Bakhtiari and Jenkins. We've got Yash Nyman. We've got um, Zach Tom. We've got Cole Van Lannan, and I know he plays interior sometimes, but he's primarily a tackle. We've got Royce that plays tackle. We've got Caleb Jones, who's killing it at tackle. So, you know, th- there's just he's just one of those guys you look at and go, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Potentially, you, you, you maybe look at practice squad, but even that is, is really unlikely because he's doing nothing, you know? I, I, again, I haven't heard his name on even second team necessarily. Practice squad is going to be for guys like Caleb Jones, honestly. It's, it's the guys that are really making an impact, but it's just not quite the time. There's not really a spot and maybe still a little bit raw and unrefined. And so we, we slide you in there. Rasheed Walker, those types of guys. Chauncey Manick was similar. Played 15 snaps, not a ton that were less than that. But if you look at the guys that were less than that, most of them are guys that are locks. I mentioned Jonathan Garvin, only seven snaps. It's not because they're about to cut him, I don't think. Quay Walker, TJ Slayton, obviously. Um, the, the only other guys that played less snaps are Keyshawn Nixon, who I think is going to stick around as a cornerback to see what he can do, not only to compete for that spot, but also as a special teamer. Um, as well as Devontae Cross, who we just picked up. I think they want to take a little bit more time to see what he can do. Plus, he had a really good really good week um, this past week, so they want to give him a shot um, as a DB as well as, as on special teams. But I think with Manic, they've, they've kind of seen everything there is to see. The next on the list, by the way, that I would kind of look at, because every, I mean, to be honest, there's really nobody else, but the next lowest would be Ento. And I, I do think Ento is probably in danger a little bit. He just has not made a name for himself the same way some of the other guys have. Um, even guys like Rico, I know he's had, had a lot more negatives, but you know, special teams and even you know, making plays on, on defense and stuff, he's getting a lot of opportunities. 
Keandre Thomas is out there making a ton of plays. Even Sean Davis, Shamar, Shamar Jean Charles. Ento has been a name for a while. I just I have not heard him a ton. So um, he's kind of it's the 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 cuts are kind of nipping at his heels a little bit. I think, but as far as I know, unless there's been a couple in the last several minutes, those are the two cuts for today to kind of get us moving in that direction. I believe that gets us down to 83. So three more guys looking to get cut. Anyways, why don't we get a, a kick this thing off? I'm just going to go in order because that's what I want to do today. Um, Matt LaFleur's press conference. It's how we usually start these things. A lot of great news. David Bakhtiari coming off the pup list. He's only doing individual, but he, here's the thing. So you know, Christian Watson advanced to actually doing some work with Aaron Rodgers and stuff. So it took about a week, right? Christian Watson came off pup last week at this time. A week later... He's out there basically, as far as I know, he's, he's basically full go right now. I, I might be wrong about that, but I, I don't know that there's any restrictions. We'll see as we go through these notes, kind of the specifics. But the point is, this is the same thing we did with Christian Watson. I'm not saying it has to only be a week, although I do think there's a time limit. But I'm just telling you, that's what it was for Watson. They took him off, they gave him a week, and then they, they had him ready to go. But um, again, only doing individual drills right now. Quote, it's the next step, but we are excited to get him out there on the grass said they're taking it a day at a time with David Bakhtiari. Said they're really not thinking about week one. That's not really on their radar. Just kind of taking it day by day. We'll see how he responds. And when he's ready, he's ready. And I, and, and I, I don't really believe that to be coach speak or anything. In other words, they, they know it's bad and, and they're not telling us or they know he'll be back and they're just trying to be deceitful for other teams. I don't think so. I, I think they're, they're going to slowly ease him back and they got to monitor his knee. You know, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Last year, they thought he'd be ready to go and his knee kept responding poorly poorly whoa that's a new one poorly horribly horribly poorly that'll that'll work poorly jeez so just just fingers crossed they're they're putting them out there and, and today even what was a big test because they're having them do a little bit more and they're going to check on them now I'm, I'm thinking he wasn't necessarily doing anything more strenuous than what he was already doing but still you ease him back in and then it's kind of how's it going you feeling any pain you feeling any whatever. If I push here, does it hurt? You know, checking for swelling and all that stuff. And I'm assuming if he can do that for a week, two weeks, whatever, take that next step. Not saying full go by next week necessarily, but I'm, you know, they took him off pup. So uh, as far as Vernon Scott, kind of a big deal. He's been our lock number three. Um, I don't seem to mind all that much because I'm not a massive Vernon Scott fan. In other words, I don't think I think we might be in a bit of trouble if it falls to Vernon Scott, but the fact that the Packers have been so locked in on him and they are 100% sold on him being the next best guy, um, it gives me confidence in him, but they're getting options right now on Vernon Scott's shoulder injury. Um, that doesn't really sound great. It, 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 what, what I think it probably comes down to, if I were to just guess, it's going to be similar to what happened with Christian Watson, where there was an issue and they said we can he can play through it, or... You know, we, we go the surgery route, and he's going to be out for half the season or whatever. So there, there are different options on how to handle this. You know, we could put his arm in a sling, and, you know, maybe he's back in two weeks, or maybe it doesn't really heal, and then this or that. You know what I mean? So, so that's what getting options means, and, you know, you're weighing the difference between, you know, guaranteed he's out for this long, but you know you're going to get him back. You know, the, the guarantees compared to the, the risks, you know, maybe high risk, high reward type situations. According to Bill Huber, everyone will suit up and go through warm-ups on Thursday against the Chiefs, but LaFleur won't commit to player uh, playing the starters. Quote, 
I see benefits on both sides, but I also see some things that you'd be kicking yourself if something went wrong. And again, I'm, I'm on the side of don't do it. It don't do it. Rodgers, I think, said it perfectly. And, and when he said that, it just the light bulb went off. It makes sense. If you're going to play the starters, play them significantly. If you're putting Rodgers out there, if you're going to play Elton Jenkins, if he's ready, if you're going to play Jair, if you're going to play our superstars like Rashawn Gary, and you're going to risk injury, don't risk injury with zero chance of reward. Make sure they're at least getting something out of it. You know, he, he if Rodgers is going to play... You know, give him a quarter. And I'm, I'm not saying I want that. I don't think I want that. But I don't think a series is going to change anything. It's not going to change the result of week one. You know, one, two first downs and then, you know, kick a field goal or something. Wow. You know, that, now, now we got him. <laughs> now we got him up against the ropes. Vikings are screwed now. So as much as I'd love to see the starters. And, and you know, there, there's, let's be honest, there's different caliber of starters. And, I you know, it is what it is. I think if it was up to me, you might have Lazard, Watkins, and Randall out there with Jordan Love. Not just because I'd like to see that, but, you know, and maybe I'd put Elton out there. Maybe not, probably not, but um, Tunyon, if he was ready. Mercedes, maybe get a series. You know, give, give Jordan Love one series with the starters. Put Jones and Dylan out there in some low-risk situations. A.J. Dillon pounds it a couple times. Jones runs out for, I don't know, a couple screens, run into the flat. Nothing crazy. We're not trying to run him across the middle to get smoked by a safety or anything. You know, I put Dean out there. Maybe not Kenny, but Dean and Jaron, Jaron, whatever. I'd feel a little weird putting Preston and not Rashawn out there because I feel like that's kind of disrespectful, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> I wouldn't mind putting Devondre out there with Quay for a series. Jair's not going out there, but I'll put Stokes, Stokes and Razul. But there are certain guys that I would never consider. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm not doing it. Bakhtiari. I mean, he's not even going to be healthy anyways, but Bakhtiari is a guy I would not put out there. Rodgers is not going out under any circumstances. Um, Jair. And, and listen, even if you told me they are going to be garbage week one, but then they'll be ready by week two, fine, I don't care. I'll drop week one. I'm not risking Aaron Rodgers, Jair, you know, Rashawn, not doing it. <laughs> I'm sorry. So what? We lose a game. What are we gonna? What are we shooting for an undefeated season? It's one game. That's yeah, the Vikings. Whatever. And that's 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 assuming we know 100% we lose and we don't. By the way, the Vikings are not like trotting out their starters every single time. You know how many passes Kirk Cousins has made so far in the preseason? Zero. So, anyways, I don't know. He, he's teasing it, and it's like one of those things where it's it's almost like he wants to say yes because people want him to say yes. But who cares, man? You know, we'll we'll see them week one. We're gonna see the whole crew. Let's, you know, and, and why steal the, the snaps from Love? He needs him. Let him capitalize on him. Give him the extra opportunities. Give him four quarters. I'm loving it. He seems to get better with every throw. Anyways, next was the news via Matt LaFleur that Christian Watson will get some team reps today. Some team reps, I suppose, would imply not full go, but still, he's getting in the action. Baby steps. I like it. Matt LaFleur went on to say that Mason Crosby has done some kicking but doesn't anticipate Crosby being activated off puff before Kansas City. So I don't know what that means. I, I really don't. I, I can't imagine he's going to lose his job, but, I, you know, I don't know. I, I really don't. Maybe, maybe we've got a guy that's here on the off chance that maybe Mason isn't even ready by week one, you know, and so he, we plug him in until Mason comes back, and then when Mason comes back, we got a guy, you know. It's hard to gauge, but I, I again, I just I can't imagine, even if he does nothing, that he's going to lose his job. 
So, anyways, that's the end of the um, the interview, and they got videos up. David Bakhtiari's first rep, and they got him going up against the big man, Caleb Jones. <laughs> They're not messing around. They're going to put him up against the biggest man and uh, really get that knee going. Um, Innis Gaines is out on the field. He's been dealing with a hamstring injury for a little bit, so good to get him back out there. Starting offensive line for the Packers, still Yash, John Runyon, Josh Myers, Jake Hansen, Royce Newman is what they've been doing, so... Still keeping Elton Jenkins, David Bakhtiari, obviously Bakhtiari, but the two guys uh, out for now. So no change there. Uh, Watson, really, really, really exciting. On the field for the first 11-on-11 reps with Rodgers. Now, that probably just has to do with the fact that he hasn't been out there in a while or whatever, but still, that that's pretty cool that they're they're doing that. You know, it's not like, well, you're, you're a rookie and you're our number four, possibly number five. Who knows, maybe number six, you go second team. No, it's you're the man. First team, you're up. Very first note that I see on the first play, Rodgers with a pretty throw to Watson who catches it over the middle. It just it just warms your heart, man. 15-yard crosser. Just that easy. Get used to it. Um, with the injury, by the way, to Vernon Scott. So remember, Savage went out, Vernon Scott came in to take that spot. Vernon went out, and Sean Davis has slided, slid, slided? Slided into that spot. I should just rephrase the sentence so I don't have to say that because it sounds stupid either way. But kudos to Sean Davis, man. That That's quite a climb. I don't think anyone really had him circled as a guy to really look out for. Um, a lot of people really like Innis Gaines, Dallin Levitt. But Sean Davis, I don't think, was really top of anybody's list, but there he is. Obviously had a big game, fumble recovery, made some made some plays, some tackles, and there he is, first team. So good good chance that he ends up making the team because even with everybody back, that would put him as safety number four. Now, it's not to say that this is a lock. Maybe they're just trying him out, just like, you know, with Christian Watson. doesn't mean he's the number one or number two just because he's out there. But still, that would be my assumption as of right now is that Sean Davis is safety four. Aaron Rodgers gets Preston Smith and Jaron Reed to jump offside with his hard count. Hits Josiah DeGuara open in the left seam on a free play. Good Lord, I want football back so bad. I know we just watched it, but give me, give me another preseason game, man. I want to sit down here, live stream with the boys, watch some more football. I need, I need it. I need it, man. I wish I wish they televised. <laughs> I wish they televised the practices. I would do live streams and just this would be so much fun. Matt Schneidman says Rogers has laid into Josh Myers a couple times in camp, but the second year center gets a fist bump from QB1 after helping draw the defense offside during a move the ball period. So that's good to see too. Rogers has been really hard on Josh Myers trying to get that right. And it listen, it's an extremely important position. I mean, you it's it's a lot of work. You have to be unbelievably intelligent. And so making mistakes is not surprising. But again, with Rodgers looking at it, like, we need to count on you in a matter of weeks. You know, the season is about to start. We've got just a couple weeks here. What, three weeks from today, basically, for me anyways? So, you know, yeah, he's going to be hard on him. So it's, it's good to see that they're starting to get in sync a little bit. Watson makes a second catch from Rodgers in 11-on-11, stagging a slant. Then Watkins almost makes a nifty toe-tab grab along the sideline, First tight coverage from Alexander. So almost means didn't. So I, as of right now, as far as I can tell, still not a single reception by a Packer against Jair Alexander. The Saints came in and had receptions against Jair, but I don't think a Packer has yet. At least one that counts officially. A little bit more context on that from Cassidy Hill. She says, textbook play for Packers secondary. Rogers flushed, wants to check it down to tight end, but Razul is there daring him to throw it. Rodgers recognizes that, so instead he goes over to Sammy, Watk- uh, Sammy Watkins, but Jair is there waiting to push him out of bounds the second he makes contact incomplete. So these guys are just, they're hyenas, man. They're just scavengers. 
They're out there just waiting. They're always just roaming and just waiting. They're vultures. Ramirez Ahmad, four for four today, 33, 41, 44, and 46. I, I get the impression he's missed, but I don't think I've seen it. The only reason I say that is because the, the one time it was reported that he made two kicks, but but prior to that it said rough start, but made his made the um these two kicks or whatever. I'm like, what 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 rough start? Nobody said anything about him, any misses. So I don't have any registered misses from Ramirez uh or uh Ramiz. Have I been calling him Ramirez this whole time? <laughs> from his I don't know. Mr. Ahmad. Ahmed. Dude. Just shut up, all right? Just just shut up forever and leave me alone. <sighs> Names, I don't know. Tunyon came off pup last week as well, working with Rodgers on routes and catches today. He is not um, doing teamwork yet, but I'm, I'm thinking he's got to be close. Another, there's a really weird thing, too. There's these, um, it looks like the offensive line coach, which, you know, our offensive coordinator, basically, grabbed all the offensive linemen, and they're working on a drill in which the offensive linemen are on the offensive line, David Bakhtiari is quarterback. Elton Jenkins is a running back. And then they also have offensive linemen acting as defensive linemen, and they're running plays. I think there's only like two rushers, but it, it, it's, it's kind of cool. I mean, they got enough guys. They're, they're, they're able to work through stuff. Bakhtiari being as smart as he is, he's able to make checks and calls at the line. Jenkins is acting as a running back. And, and the other thing that I like about it is everybody has to understand everything. You got offensive linemen who have to learn to think like defensive linemen. You got offensive linemen that have to think like quarterbacks and running backs and understanding what everybody else's role is in the offense, not just I'm a center and I need to know what I need to do. We got to know the whole concept of this play. We got to know what the guy to my right is doing, the guy to my left, the guy behind me, the guy in front of me, what he's trying to do. So I've never seen it before. You got Myers snapping to Bakhtiari, who's making checks at the line, and Elton Jenkins coming up and stopping the free rusher. I don't know. It's it's different, but I, I really like it. Uh, Ramiz Ahmed hit also from 48 and 51. Again, don't think he's missed from what I've seen. I mean, let me rephrase that. I think he's missed, but I have not seen a single note about a miss from him. And he's he, the one day he hit from, it was like 51, 54, 56, and they said it so casually. Like, there was three kicks from the 50 range. And it was like, oh, yeah, he made, uh, he made three kicks, so ho-hum. It's like, what? wait a minute. He did what? Rodgers drops back and finds a wide-open Cobb during two-minute drill. Move the chains. Defense had offense in fourth and ten, but Cobb's come, Cobb comes free for a 19-yard gain to keep the number one two-minute going. Eric Stokes with a great coverage and breakup on Sammy Watkins. I don't think I've heard Eric Stokes' name in like two weeks. Now, that's a good thing if you're a DB, because the first week I couldn't stop hearing his name. He got beat by everybody and everyone was freaking out. I, I have not heard his name in a very long time. So, happy with that. Especially since the first time I hear, heard his name in a while is a breakup on Sammy. Now watch, he's going to come back and just crush him. Matt LaFleur had David Bakhtiari break down the huddle at the end of practice, which gets a big reception from the team, which is, I mean, it's just so cool, man, because it's not just, you know, he's a good player and we as fans really want him back because he's good. He means a lot to this team, and that's kind of cool. I mean, they're happy for him. They're, they're jacked to get him back. This is a big deal, and I remember, who was it? Um... We got a big pile of guys back at 1.2, and Matt LaFleur referred to it as a shot in the arm in terms of like getting guys kind of excited. This is a massive shot in the arm. These guys are super jacked to get Bakhtiari back. Matt Schneidman says, Matt LaFleur shouts, welcome back David Bakhtiari in the post-practice huddle. Number 69 gives a speech and breaks down a, the team with 1-2-3 championship. Gets me fired up, man. 
Uh, Ryan Wood elaborated a little bit on the Stokes series. He says, cornerback Eric Stokes had a nice two-minute series. He blanketed Alan Lazard on a slant route, then shadowed Lazard down the left sideline in tight coverage on a go ball. Anyways, that is the uh, the update of the day. I think we're going to take a break right Shia, and then I want to come back and kind of summarize where we're at right now, right? We had week one, we looked at it, we looked at the stats and information. We had week two, we looked at it, stats and information. How do we summarize where everybody's at right now? Players that are improving, players that are maybe not improving. Snap counts go up, snap counts go down, changing positions, et cetera, et cetera. That's what I want to briefly look at. That's what we're going to do the rest of the time. But again, we will first take a break. Please remember, if you want to be involved in the Packernet After Dark thing, we uh, yesterday had the first day of not enough calls to do a show. So I didn't think I'd have to ask for callers because we were getting, you know, at minimum 20 a day. And it was starting to get up to 30. And then we had a big push the other day and got up to like 40. But that was followed by four. So again, you, you guys can call in about absolutely anything you want. Obviously, this is a Packers show. So if you have Packers questions, Packers comments, Packers predictions, NFL thoughts, Packers or, or NFL thoughts, predictions, whatever, or you want to talk about your favorite food, I don't care. 608-501-0718. Call in. Drop a question. It's not a live show. All you're doing is leave it. I'm not even going to answer. It's just going to be leave a voicemail, and then you leave a voicemail, and that's it. 608-501-0718. If you want to support the show, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. I'm going to try to remember to upload these shows. So what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to upload them on the sub stack. So they will be, because I actually had somebody ask, is there a way to get these commercial free? Because they're bothered by the commercials. There used to be, there isn't anymore. I'm going to try to remember to do that again. I'm sorry if I messed that up, but I'm going to try. The Substack, if you are a subscriber, you'll be able to listen over there ad-free. And I will also put it on Patreon. Now, here's the thing. The Substack is $9.99 a month. So I don't want to put it on Patreon for a dollar a month. That doesn't make any sense. But also, these ads do bring in quite a bit of revenue. So if I'm going to have an option to not have people listen to them, I don't want it to hurt me too much. So... If you are in the $10 tier on Patreon, you'll also be able to, as much as I can remember, put my show at least on there, and that will be ad-free for you. Something to think about. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Otherwise, we will take a break. We will be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. 
Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, so again, I just want to kind of go through the roster a little bit. Um, We'll start with the easy and obvious, and that is Mr. Jordan Love. Obviously, more time on the field. Obviously, a massive increase as far as his PFF grade, as well as his, you know, I mean, maybe not production necessarily, but it was obvious. It was very clear to see the improvement from Jordan Love. The other exciting thing is, is for the first time ever, he's actually marching his way straight up on the ranking list. He, you know, again, last week had a 58 overall grade. If he had stayed at that grade, he would be ranked about, uh, he'd be 67th on this list. Thanks to his performance, he jumped all the way up to 29th, leapfrogging several people, including, as we've said, Justin Fields. But I I have to stop saying Justin Fields' name. As as I've been told, 80% of the time when I'm trying to say Jordan Love, I say Justin Fields. So I'm not allowed to say Justin Fields anymore because that name is burned into my skull. Danny Etling, right behind him with a uh, 33 overall grade. Obviously, a massive reduction in his playing time from... That was Sam Holman. You can blame him for that. <laughs> I, just, I just switched over to Twitter and it auto-played the, uh, the video he sent me. I was like, what? what is going on right now? I asked him for an example of an eccentric metal van band i can't speak it doesn't matter that's the context we're moving on anyways both of the quarterbacks um improved even danny etling went from uh 65 overall grade to a 78 i know one pass and then he ran for it It doesn't matter improvement rogers the only guy that has not improved through the preseason i think we should just cut him i've seen no growth nothing in fact he doesn't even have a pff grade how pathetic is that can't even get a one what a dork Let's, uh, wide receiver. Let's do wide receiver next. We have had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven wide receivers play so far in the preseason for the Green Bay Packers. Samari Ture, Ishmael Hyman, Jawan Winfrey, Travis Fulgham, Amari Rogers, Danny Davis, and Romeo Dobbs. Believe it or not, Amari Rogers is absolutely crushing everybody in terms of opportunities. It seems as though, granted, some of these guys, Travis Fulgham, Danny Davis, one game, but um, it seems as though they are really, really trying to get him involved. I don't think, basically, he just has not come off the field. The second highest amount of opportunities for a wide receiver is Samori Ture with 77 snaps, which is high. Amari Rogers, 99. <laughs> we'll start with Romeo Dobbs. Um, obviously, the drop gate grades are horrific, 36 and 28, because he has drop issues. 
66 overall grade. It went down to a 62. I don't think it's anything all that marvelous or miraculous. It's a simple matter of if he had caught all the passes thrown at him accurately, he would have a bunch of yards and really high grades and everything else, but he didn't. So we know he's good. We know he's great off the line. We know he's got some incredible play speed. Um, He's got to work on the hands. Really hasn't changed anything in terms of where he's playing. Primarily out wide, very, very little bit in the slot. The run blocking did improve marginally. Um, Seems like a stupid thing to talk about, but it is important for Green Bay Packers wide receivers. He went from a 49.9 overall grade to a 60.7, so that's good. And actually, it was kind of an issue for a while. I remember somebody pointing it out, I think during training camp, that um, he really was not doing a good job. Again, not panicking. I'm just saying, like, it's one of those things where you kind of make a a mental note. This is something he's going to have to work on if he's going to be playing here, because he's going to be asked to do this a lot. And so, again, just kind of seeing that growth, which is going to take time when, you know, it's not a major emphasis, and then all of a sudden it is a major emphasis to learn how to do it. But, again, you're seeing a relative, uh, relatively decent amount of growth. And, you know, 6'2", 201 pounds, he's not a super small guy. He's not giant. You know, we got 235-pound guys here, but um, he's not small. Um, and Dobbs also, as far as I can tell, has not played a single snap on special teams in any capacity. So that's actually kind of interesting to me. Danny Davis has been out, so there's really nothing to look at in terms of growth or changing. Amari Rogers, his snaps did go down a little bit from 53 to 46, but I don't think that's anything really super incredible. Uh, 58.9 overall grade went to a 57.6, so basically the exact same grade as far as I can tell. His targets did go up quite a bit, but it didn't make that big of a difference because his reception percentage plummeted. So he went from one reception to two receptions while he went from two targets to five targets. But hey, at least they're trying really hard to get him involved. Um, He was much more prominently in the slot this past week. So the first week, 33 snaps in the slot, 20 out wide. So kind of close to 50-50. This past week, 38 snaps in the slot, seven snaps out wide. He also took one snap in the backfield this week, which he did not do last week. So they added that wrinkle in there. And then he's kind of doing a little bit of everything on special teams. He took uh, two snaps or, well, one snap on kick coverage each week, uh, kick return, punt coverage, punt return. He's doing a little bit of everything. The biggest jump, though, was punt return. He only did that once week one. He did it four times, this, which I guess kind of depends on how many times you punt, but also how many other guys need opportunities. So not a real massive change for Amari, still kind of same old, same old. Uh, Travis Fulgham only played week two, obviously. We didn't really utilize him for very much. He was a boundary receiver 11 times, and that's it. Eight times on the left side, three times on the right side. Didn't use him on special teams. Didn't use him in the slot. Didn't use him in the backfield, in line, nothing crazy. We just needed a body. That's what I said it was, and I think that's what it was. We needed a body to play wide receiver, and that was the guy. Um, Juwan Winfrey, in terms of overall grade, he went backwards, 70 to a 63 Primarily just because of his run blocking grade, though. His receiving grade stayed almost exactly identical, but his run blocking grade went from a 69 to a 48. Again, nothing to really freak out about. It's just that's what happened. You got to understand with these limited amount of opportunities, if you blow one block as a run blocker, that's going to crush your whole, the whole thing. I think the only thing of note for Juwan Winfrey, really, 6'3", 215, big dude, um, is the increase in opportunities. 33 snaps in week one, 46 this past week. And primarily, that was using him on the boundary. He had actually one less snap in the slot. He had about 20 more opportunities as a boundary receiver. Eight opportun- or 18 opportunities in week one, 37, in, uh, which is more than he even played in week one. 37 snaps out wide for um, Juwan Winfrey. So giving him a big workload this past week. Hyman actually sneakily kind of took a step forward. 53 overall grade week one, 64 week two. 
seems weird because we didn't really hear his name as a receiver, but we did as a uh, a running back, I guess. One attempt for 11 yards, 63.4 rushing grade. What up? I think that's the first time he's ever done that. He, he spent a year with Cleveland, a year with Carolina, and he doesn't have any rushing grades or opportunities or anything. So this is the first time we've tried to use him in that capacity. And it obviously worked pretty well. And I think that's kind of the thing with guys like Ishmael Hyman. You know they're not going to make the active roster, but it's really just let's let's empty the bag and see what we got. Let's give them every opportunity to do anything and everything, and just let's just see what we got in the guy. Before we make any decisions one way or another, let's give him every possible opportunity to win the job. His uh, blocking grade remained about stagnant. Special teams grade, 60 both weeks, so basically he didn't really do much. As a returner, again, 60s across the board, not really getting any serious opportunities. Um, I'm thinking the two kick returns went out of the end zone. The week one punt return was fair caught. So not really getting a, a great chance to showcase his, his talent there. He's, he's had some opportunities, but not too much. Worth noting though, uh, Hyman did actually get less opportunities. It was about cut in half, 19 week one, 10 week two. So they kind of cut back his workload a little bit, which, you know, not the greatest sign in the world. Samori Ture had probably the biggest drop off. Uh, he had a 65 overall grade week one, a 44 overall grade week two. Um, he went from four targets, three receptions, 42 yards to one target, zero receptions. He did have that drop. Wasn't the easiest, you know, catch in the world, but if it goes through your hands, you need to catch that. He also had a rushing opportunity uh, and it went for negative two yards. So that also was negative for him. So not the greatest showcase for Samori, not because he's a terrible wide receiver or anything. It's just a bad day. You get limited opportunities, and it just didn't go well. In terms of opportunities, it did go down, but not significantly, from 50 down to 44. Fairly similar in terms of what they asked him to do, the the ratios between wide and slot, 29 wide, 15 slot week one, 23 and 10 week two. Uh, Special teams, pretty similar. The, The biggest difference is week one, he was just a returner, kick return, punt return. Week two, they put him more so on special teams, which is maybe part of why they reduced his workload as a uh, receiver, you know, if you're doing more special team stuff. But he was not only a kick and on kick and punt return, he was on kick and punt coverage as well. So giving him opportunities there. Tight ends, Sal Canella, Tyler Davis, Josiah DeGuara, Alizé Mack, and Nate Becker. Some of these guys, again, we don't have to talk about because they've only done uh, one game. That would be Nate Becker. Becker did get an 80.6 overall grade, though. That was kind of what I was saying about Nate. He was actually a decent blocker, um, so that was something to keep an eye on. 78.1 run blocking grade he had. They didn't give him any pass blocking opportunities, but he was he was kind of a road grader out there. Be interested to kind of see what he does this coming week. But uh, Alizé Mack went from a 67 overall grade down to a 39. He hasn't had a single target um, ever. His receiving grades, very consistent, 48.9, 48.1, so... He's, I mean, we know he's not a receiver, he's a blocker, but even his blocking grades are not super fantastic, so that's what kind of stinks about it. He did have much better blocking grades week, well, run blocking grade 80 went down to a 45, otherwise his pass blocking has been consistently at 65. And although it feels like he's never on the field, he actually had 41 snaps. Uh, 31 the week before, 41 this week, so he saw an increase. Josiah took a big jump, 56 overall grade up to a 73.9. Receiving grade took a jump, even though the production kind of went down a little bit. Three targets, two receptions, 12 yards. This week, two targets, one reception, 11 yards. Only real interesting thing is they didn't give him any backfield work. He had 11 snaps in the backfield. Week one, he had zero this past week. In fact, (laughs) they cut everything back. 
Um, he went from 40 snaps down to 13. I, I have to think that's kind of a, um, a bubble wrapping situation. By the way, I think I forgot to mention Dominique Daphne, I believe, is, is back. They basically brought him back and I think put him on IR. So perhaps with Daphne being on IR and Tyler Davis being garbage, they've realized, I feel bad being so mean to Tyler Davis, but he's been really bad. You know, maybe we got to bubble wrap Josiah a little bit. And, and Tunyon's hurt. If Josiah gets hurt, we got Mercedes Lewis and <laughs> that's it. So he, he got cut from 40 snaps down to 13, but pretty much just kept him as an inline player, and that was it. He went from 12 snaps in the slot down to two. Uh, pretty much get rid of all his special teams work, which is probably why special teams is no good, because you lost your ace in Josiah DeGuara. But yeah, I think, I think he's getting bubble wrapped. <laughs> Tyler Davis, we don't really super need to talk about. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Everything bad, everything stay bad. He did lose some opportunities, went from 35 down to 29. No real major difference um, in terms of opportunities. In fact, most of the reduction came on uh, special teams. They also took away his uh, wide receiver responsibilities. He stayed in the slot, but not out wide. So anyways. And then there's our buddy Sal Canella, who I've been waiting for. Again, sort of that receiving tight end. Not that I think he's going to be great, but those guys are fun. You get a 6'5", 230 tight end. His job is to just run down the field and catch passes and be quick and tall and stuff. Heck yeah, I want to see what the guy can do. 47 overall grade turns into an 82.6. Heck yes, son. Beyond that, 64.8 overall run blocking grade, which is the other thing about, you know, you, you get these tight ends to be just blockers, and they end up not even being that good of blockers. And then you get these receiving guys who are just as good. It's like, what the heck is the point? Just get the 230-pound guy that's, you know, kind of big and just see how it goes, I guess. But he only had the one reception for 13 yards, but that's good enough for a 72 overall receiving grade. Still getting almost no opportunity, so he is well behind Alizé Mack in terms of guys that they like. But who knows? Maybe he gets another opportunity after what he was able to pull off. Um, and with Tyler Davis not really working out, and Tyler being kind of, I mean, he's, he's more of an inline guy again, but he's still sort of a receiver. If you look at the, the tight ends and say, who's your receiving tight end? It's not really Josiah. I mean, kind of, but not really. It's certainly not Mercedes Lewis. It was supposed to be Tyler Davis, but that ain't going to work. It's not Alizé Mack. And Robert Tunyon's hurt. It's Sal Canella. So I'm hoping we see a little bit more of him in week three. But he went from nine snaps to eight snaps. So, I mean, he's just, he's absolute bottom of the barrel. Uh, Patrick Taylor went from a 38 overall grade to a 66. You love to see it. And again, you got the special team stuff. He's kind of leading the charge. The, the, the one question is, is Kylan Hill going to get taken off pup and just win the job outright because he's the special teamer? That's the biggest question. And I, I think it's, I think there's a possibility that that happens, but a slight uptick in uh, snaps. In fact, he was, he was leading the charge. He, he got the first starting snaps for running back. So it kind of, I know everybody loves Tyler Goodson. I really like Tyler Goodson. Clearly the best runner of the group. But again, that's not what they're looking at. Um, they're getting them opportunities as running backs because it may come to that at some point, but it's going to be based on special teams contributions. And I think that's Patrick Taylor right now. Again, unless Kylan Hill is just like, he just comes back and steals it. My man Dexter, uh, struggling, struggling. Really, really poor receiver. <laughs> 26 overall grade both weeks. Um, the running grade, 64 and 57, stays pretty consistent. Run blocking is consistent. Everything's consistent. But overall grade, 50 to a 46, not great. And again, it's, it's, it's just because of the receiving, and that's not new. 2021 preseason receiving grade was a 30. 
So he's very consistent in his inconsistency with being a receiver. However, he did almost double his opportunities from 10 to 19, so they wanted to get a slightly better look at him. Also gave him a lot more special teams opportunities again because that's what this is all about. So he did get a handful more uh, snaps in the backfield, but overall it really was... um, He had one snap on special teams week one. He had six this past week. So uh, B.J. Baylor obviously only played the one week, or yeah, the one week and then got cut. And then our guy Tyler Goodson, man, 57 overall grade week one, up to a 73, and it was all about the running. I mean, he actually, his receiving grade went down. Uh, Week one, he had a 76 pass blocking grade, but that rushing grade went from a 58 to a 75, which brought his overall grade up. So again, I don't know that he wins the job. I think he's a practice squad guy, but... He's looking good. Opportunities increased slightly from 35 to 41. Pretty pretty identical, just a little bit more of everything for Tyler Goodson. Then we got the Goliath, the offensive lineman. Got to try to run through this. I don't want this to get too dry and boring, but just run through it really quickly so we get an idea of what everybody's doing. Josh Nyman, um, he's been left tackle both weeks. Hasn't really been used anywhere else. His, his snaps did go down slightly. Obviously, there's no concern about him not making the... Well, I shouldn't say there's no concern. There's very, very little concern. Uh, Grade went from a 57 to a 73. Run blocking grade went up 60 to 65. Pass blocking from a 47 to an 82. So I think he just had a rough first start against San Francisco. And and this, what we saw in week two, is a little bit more of what we know he is. Caleb Jones, the absolute monster. Kind of a weird thing. Again, 82 overall grade down to a 69. But really, the the crazy thing is his, his run blocking grade went from a 91 to a 63 but his pass blocking grade went from a 51 to an 83. So, and again, I'm not mad about it. You know, for him to do that well as a pass blocker is what he needs to do. An 83 overall pass blocking grade and a 63 run blocking grade is not a bad day. And he's demonstrated he can do both. It's just, you know, can we kind of get this consistently or is it, you know, you went up against a power rusher and that just ain't going to work against Caleb Jones. But again, uh, consistently left tackle. That's all they've had him do. Overall on the season, 81 overall, 84 run blocking grade, 68 pass blocking grade. That ain't bad. Then we got maybe the best player on this team so far, uh, Zach Tom. I mean, just not a not a bad note anywhere. He's been exclusively a right tackle, which again, as I said yesterday or whatever, kind of strange. Um, but he went <laughs> 78 overall, 78 run blocking, 75 pass blocking. To this week, 84 overall, 84 pass blocking, 82 pass blocking. So he had a good day, or a great day, week one, as a run blocker and pass blocker. And it went to greater, 78 to 84, 75 to 82. Right now, overall, 75 snaps at right tackle, 87 overall grade, 87.5 run blocking, 82 pass blocking grade. Has not given up a single pressure. Not one. Uh, Royce, been very consistent. Uh, he's played right tackle and right guard. Like I said, they start him at right tackle because he is the starting right tackle. And then they kick him into right guard because he's also kind of the right guard. So he's had a lot of opportunities. 53 at right tackle, 29 at right guard. But um, again, very consistent. 67 run blocking to 66. 62 pass blocking to 55. A little bit of a dip there, but pretty consistent. So right now, 67.8 overall grade, 69.2 run blocking, 60 pass blocking. This is This is also kind of interesting. And again, I know this is wild and crazy and probably not going to happen, but I can't get it out of my head, the idea that maybe Zach Tom starts at right tackle and maybe Elton Jenkins goes into guard. The other reason I'm saying that is is Royce is is supposed to be the guy doing all this. Last year, Royce was crushing it in the preseason. He had a 92 overall 
grade. 90 run blocking, 75 pass blocking. He was a uh, lesser version of Zach Tom last year. And week three is when he really blew up, but um, almost as good as Zach Tom is doing right now through two weeks. Royce Newman was the guy. He was, he was crushing it in the preseason. He's not at all right now. So the reason we can't get Zach Tom on the offensive line is because of Royce Newman, who's having a rough preseason and is nowhere near as good as Zach Tom, playing the exact same position. So I don't know. I'm thinking they're going to stick with Royce because he understands the offense, has the continuity thing, all that nonsense. I don't know. I don't care, but whatever. And, and, and again, probably not going to have both offensive tackles back week one. So you could do Elton Jenkins, left tackle, and Zach Tom, right tackle, and just boot Yash out of there. Probably won't do that either, but I sure would like it. Uh, Sean Ryan has been probably the biggest disappointment thus far. 65 overall grade went down to a 42. Pass blocking, 15 and 17. Run blocking was a 73.8, was the one thing he could do. That went down to a 49 overall grade. On the year right now through two games, 51 overall grade, 11 pass blocking, 61.2 run blocking grade. He's played exclusively at the right guard spot. Now, Now, here's the other thing about Sean Ryan. I do think Sean Ryan is, and I think Coach Hahn talked about this a little bit, he's not the greatest fit. And that was kind of my thought about Sean Ryan to begin with. He's, he's, he's the kind of prospect that I like, 6'5", 321, he's a mauler, but that's not really what the Packers usually like. You know, they like the tackles that are converted to guards, like the Zach Toms that are a little smaller, but man, they're, they're quick on their feet, and you know, their short shuttle times and all that stuff. Sean Ryan's not that guy. And so it's entirely possible that Sean Ryan is a very talented guy that, that just needs some time. And, and obviously, we can give him time. We don't need Sean Ryan right now. It's not like we're doomed if he doesn't step up. It's also worth noting he's a third-round pick, so it's, he may just completely bust out, and that shouldn't surprise anyone. But if he needs a little time to develop, we can give him that time. But this is a pretty historically terrible start. Uh, Cole Van Lannan, the Wisconsin Badger, playing exclusively at left guard shockingly, surprisingly, in his second year, great pass blocker, not a great run blocker, which is the opposite of what he was last year. And um, it's actually not surprising he's getting so many opportunities because he's, he's taken a massive step as a pass blocker. And if you can do that, the Packers are going to be interested. You know, the run blocking is suboptimal, but eh, we can work with that if you're this good. So if you look at his overall grade, 62.2, and his run blocking, 53.8, that's not great, but he had an 81 pass blocking grade week one and an 85.5 week two. That's incredibly good. I mean, if you can't move people on the ground, that sucks. But if Rodgers is clean, you're, uh, you're locked in as a backup, my dude. Do that one more week, and I think you got yourself a roster spot, which is getting kind of crowded because you look at it, and it's like, you know, we got to keep Yash. We got to keep Zach Tom. Jake Hansen's locked in. There's a conversation to be had about Caleb Jones. There's certainly a conversation to ha- be had about Cole Van Lannan. It's getting crowded, man. I mean, we got the, the starting five, Tom, Hansen, Yash, eh, and Cole Van Lannan. I guess that would be for that. That'll work. You'd have to boot Manette, Ryan, Walker. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. Anyways, John Runyon is John Runyon, man. It's, it's the guy he'll always be. Uh, 81.2 pass blocking grade to an 80.9 pass. 81. That's what he is. Run blocking is average, and nobody cares. Again, working exclusively at left guard. Uh, Jake Hansen, kind of the opposite. Real good run blocker. Pass blocking is kind of lacking a little bit. He did give up one pressure in week two. 54 overall pass blocking grade. 63 pass blocking grade week two. Did improve slightly, I guess, but still. But um, obviously the Packers really like him. He had uh, 92 total opportunities in the preseason last year. He's had 113 already. 
through two weeks in 2022. And uh, he is playing right guard and center. So he's kind of like Royce where he'll start at right guard and then they'll slide him in as a second team center. So first team right guard, second team center. Josh Myers a little bit all over the map, very similar to uh, Caleb Jones. The only problem is you expect better from Josh Myers. And actually the bad is even worse than, than we've seen from Caleb Jones. So week one, 93 run blocking grade, but a 43 pass blocking grade. Week two, 77 pass blocking, 44 run blocking. So, I mean, the, the, the peak, the high end, the, the elite side from Josh Myers is there, but you really hate to see those lower lows. Exclusively playing center, obviously, that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, but overall on the season, 78.7 overall grade, 82 run blocking grade, 53.3 pass blocking grade. Finally, Michael Manette getting those center snaps. Uh, he did drop quite a bit. He had 15 week one down to six. So, you know, I, I think Manette is, is very much on the bubble in terms of, you know, they're not utilizing them very much. I think we have options there already. You got Josh Myers. The backup there would be Jake Hansen. I don't think you need a third center backup. I think the only issue that that I see is all the other guys are tackles. And well, I guess Cole Van Lannen. If you have Cole Van Lannen and Jake Hansen, you kind of got the interior cover. And then you got Zach Tom and Yash Nyman would be the tackle backup. So, so that works. So yeah, I, I don't see a massive need for Michael Manette. He, he would be need to be there if Josh Myers and Jake Hansen got hurt. And again, if that ha- if Josh Myers goes down, Michael Manette could be activated off the practice squad to back up Jake Hansen to essentially take his role. Just, just on the off chance we lose two of them. But there's no need to carry three centers on the roster. But anyways, obviously I had intentions of going over to defense, but we can save that for tomorrow or whatever time, whatever day we have time to do that. Um, Because that's going to take a really long time. But I want to do kind of the same thing. Where are guys improving? Where are guys getting worse? And and kind of generally looking at snap counts for two different reasons. Position changes and snap count changes. So just kind of keeping tabs on stuff, you know. Anyways, uh, I got to get out of here. I got to record Packernet after dark, that whole thing. But uh, you guys have yourselves a great night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.